All right. Welcome back to another edition of Dhamma and Majo, where we talk about everything from duty to illusion and all the good stuff in between. So, George, why don't you tell the good people what this edition is about? So we started last week with a, a, a little video on meditation, right? That's right. Exactly. And um, yeah, so we, we dove pretty deep into that and it was long enough that we felt the need to release it as two parts so last week was part one and this week right now we will be continuing our conversation in part two there it is all right well you ready to dive in let's do it let's let's get on to this next one so so yeah yeah. so we've discussed at length the pressure that the men especially tend to feel you know in in terms of their need to be successful, to be valued only for their utility, their productivity and mm. achievement. And mm-hmm. so we've also discussed how meditation can help us to come to terms with, you know, this, this harsh fact of reality, right? Mm. And to some extent, to loosen the grip of things like status anxiety, the tying of one's sense of worth and goodness to outcomes, you know, results and we can produce and so forth. So, but insofar as this is the case, the question becomes, to what extent is that desirable? Like to what extent is it desirable that meditation can help us to sort of detach from the sense that, you know, we're only good in so far as we, you know, are doing and creating and producing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's something I talk about fairly often with people when, when a subject like this comes up and I don't know if we've talked about this before, but, but it's the, the sort of, dichotomy of doing versus being and yeah like in 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 this modern day there's so much emphasis on the importance of doing things you know like oh what's that joke that chris rock has i think it's about women when they're when they're trying to uh you know like feel out a guy she she's always asking like what do you do what do you do? So there's there's an importance on being, but we don't consciously give value to it. But the power of somebody who can just be, just be present and like listen without filters, without, you know, just having an answer already um, has, has, like immeasurable impact on people. Like we think about, you, you talk about um, therapies, you know, and therapists, like the the therapist who can listen without any kind of filters just to actively listen to you, right? It has, it has this effect, you know, of being, of being seen, of being heard. Like everybody I can think of wants to be seen and heard. Yeah. Right. And, and so somebody who can actually just stand or sit there and, and offer that is, um, it's something that we, we under, I, I would say we undervalue it. Obviously we don't because therapists get paid lots of money, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but anybody can do this really. If you, if you can, cultivate some sort of concentration, you know, but I've, I've realized that in relationship, 
you know, an intimate relationship, it's been extremely valuable to learn how to just be, to listen to myself, first of all, right? Listen to what's going on in my head and in my body and, and not have an opinion of it, you know, to just observe it. Um, but then, you know, life is about relationships, like whether it's business relationships, it's personal relationships, cultivating a sense of being and listening is, uh, it's underutilized, you know? Okay. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and I, I agree. And, and I think, you know, um, you know, one, one remark I'll have in response to that is, you know, just the capacity that, that we might cultivate here, you know, from what, what I'm kind of taking away is, you know, if you can learn to actually contain, right, which is a technical terms, term of art in psychotherapy, mm-hmm. you can learn to contain your, you know, the, 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 the contents and manifestations of your own unconscious mind, you know, how much more ready are you and capable are you of containing those of others without responding reactively? Right. 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 Yeah. 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 So, so, one of the results I've noticed from from doing multiple, um, I don't say long term retreats, but you know, eight to ten day retreats, is the um, not just uh, not just observation, but the sort of uprooting of some complexes, some unconscious complexes, is that these voices of reaction, these these preconceptions these illusions that that I've had in the past get wiped away or or if they're not some of them have but but if they're not it brings uh, a profound like attention to what that voice is so like I I recognize that voice that's talking to me you know and and it's like I don't identify with it anymore but I see it for what it is you know, and it's not me. It's like, oh, wait a second. Have you had that? Like in, in some of the sits that you've done, you're sitting there and like a voice comes in, this this broken record, whatever it is, and and you call attention to it, right? You're like, oh wait, that's not me. Oh, it's this, it's this story that I'm telling, right? Yeah, you know, I, I think personally what, what I've noticed is you know, and I, I tried to describe this to you earlier, I think was when I'll be sitting and I'll, and I'll come into the, the meditation with this in, in a certain mood or with, with this sort of baseline of resistance to mm. the need to sit. Right. Okay. Um, and, and then that kind of manifests in a bunch of thinking about like, oh, I have to be doing this. I have to be doing that. Why am I just sitting here? Like, how can I just be sitting here as it's productive? Mm. And mm-hmm. then, you know, that sort of goes into this familiar narrative like oh my god james you're you're so behind you're behind on your bills or you're behind on mm-hmm. on, on rent or you're behind on this or you're behind on xyz lmnop all these different things <laughs> that i need to, and you get caught up on and i'm just i'm not where i want to be right now and i should have gone so much further in life right now and then just like it turns into just this massive just concatenation of self-laceration mm-hmm. and then i'm just like wait a minute and then you know i'll, I'll kind of I'll, I'll see that all of that really is kind of a compensation for something that feels lost or something that's, you know, painfully absent in life or something that's mm. that like I'm still processing in terms of 
you know, mourning something. And, and, and you know, mourning, mourning is one of those things, right? Grief is one of those things that like, you know, I feel like so much in the self-development space, we're constantly just like, be happy. If you want to be happy, then you totally, can be happy. Totally. And you, it's a choice. Happiness Focus on a, the positive. Yeah. And it's like, but if you, if you straight up castrate the darkness out of you, mm-hmm. you castrate yourself, you know? Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Because because it's like, you know, if you think of the light and the dark, oh, one one thing, you know, one of these platitudes that that really actually isn't isn't utilized that much is the idea of the light as being like the tip of an iceberg. Sure. You know, and the darkness is all that ice underwater for sure it's all the shit we don't want to look at yeah but that's where all the gold is yeah because it's where all the unconscious habit patterns are yeah yeah. you know yeah so so it's like yeah the, it's it's obviously very attractive to say to somebody like yeah just be positive because we all want to feel good yeah you know like we want to chase that that dragon or whatever yeah you know but but it's really like and and you know what I mean surely there's there's got to be some kind of um, efficacy in that for people but it's short lived yep you know because all that stuff under the surface is still there yep and you can't happy yourself out of like depression or the things that you don't want to acknowledge like yeah you know it, it's true another platitude the only way out of it is through it yeah you have to face it yeah yeah, yeah. It, that kind of stuff has to be process and work through and, and and the first the first step to that is actually noticing that it's there right the first and hardest step exactly and you know i think what i was trying to say was also you know i'll be sitting there and like all this sort of like self-laceration stuff comes up but really what's going on is you know i i'm i there's some kind of sense of loss or grief or or you know something you know that is very human for me to experience that I'm not even letting myself experience, uh, right? You know, like, yeah, like um, it's suppressed, it's suppressed a sense of rejection that I'm still working through or a sense of frustration or, or sadness over, over something that happened. And it's like, you know, I, I hear from all around me, like, you know, especially like with girls and stuff, it's like, well, get over it. How long has it been? You know? Right. And get yeah. over it, get over it, get over it. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, but like, un- unless I like, and this has been one of the most biggest things with meditation is I'll sit there and I'll realize I'm still not fucking over it. Mm-hmm. And not only am I not over it, but it's important for me to acknowledge that I'm still really sad about it. Mm-hmm. And if I can do that in a 30 minute span and, and put myself through the emotions of mm-hmm. grief, mm-hmm. like I come out of it and I'm like, well, that doesn't have so much of a grip on me anymore. Yeah. You know, now I can function a lot better right. and not be acting out this anguish and grief yeah. on other people and taking it out on totally. other people. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Exactly. Because it's totally unconscious, um, um, like filter that you've that you're still operating under. Yeah. Yeah. The connection to be made that maybe we experienced together, you know, in, in September um, when we may do this Vipassana, um, retreat, um, in Idaho. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is the, the connection of the physical sensation, you know, that's the next step to it is addressing the actual physical pain that you're experiencing as the result of the rejection or the, you know, the grief that you're feeling, Sure, you know, that grief you're feeling is a pain and that the, the, the connection 
is where you actually find it in your oh, body. Oh, I feel it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and so, and, and I guess perhaps it's that I'm a cerebral guy, but like, like I, I come to these sits with all kinds of physical symptoms, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. my leg is shaking. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I have low, low grade anxiety mm-hmm. that actually starts to peak the, the longer I sit and try to just force myself to sit still, yeah, you know, and it's definitely there, you know, mm-hmm. in the body, even right. if, even if it's kind of diffuse, it's there. Yeah. 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 Totally. Know? Totally. <laughs> the yeah. profound thing is the more you pay attention to it physically and how it shows up, the more, the more it comes up and the more acute it becomes. Oh. And, and then eventually <laughs> this is the, the like hopeful and dreadful thing is that once that comes up and maybe you rid yourself of it, like mm-hmm. it will go away eventually. Yeah. You know, like once you've let it wear itself out mm-hmm. to where you're not mentally feeding it anymore, feeding that story and the pain just, just is allowed to express and you're, uh, you're, you're just uh, non-judgmentally observing it anymore. Uh, there, you, you keep non-judgmentally observing it. It will go away. But then something else will come up. <laughs> <laughs> the process yeah. never ends. Yeah, uh, grief is a natural thing, and, and you know, I, you know, and I guess that's another thing that I think is a, a, of of interest to me in this discussion is um, just the fact that like grieving is a process, and and it's a process that's never finished, right? And it's also essential to our humanity. And I don't mean grieving like one particular thing. I don't mean like episodic grief, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Schelling had this beautiful turn of phrase in uh, in his essay on human freedom, where he talked about the deep and indestructible sadness that that spreads out over all of life or nature, depending on how you translate mm-hmm. it. And the idea is that we are finite beings, essentially, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that nature is finite, mm-hmm. and and nature nature is in this process of of grieving its own alienation and its own separation from itself, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like we're constantly there. Like there's there's no escaping finitude and sadness, right? Right. But we're in such a rush, you know, to find pleasure. And we're such in such a rush for sure to hide ourselves from from the nobility of grief, you know? Yeah. We don't allow ourselves to experience it. Yeah. Right. And not only that, others won't allow us to experience it either. Totally. Right? Totally. And and you know, like be happy, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Have a positive. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Obviously, there's something deeply caustic and inhumane mm-hmm. about that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, no doubt. Well, what do you think? Next question, yeah? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess just one thing to say about grief yeah. is that, you know, grief is an, is an emotion in itself as well with, with an attachment to it. Sure. You know, and it's like an attachment to a loss. Sure. And... And in, in um, the Buddha's uh, realization of universal law is that everything is impermanent, mm-hmm. you know? And when we start to live in that understanding, like as it relates to sensory experience, mm-hmm. attachments start to dissipate. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you can still experience grief for things that have happened, but as you release that attachment through feeling things in the body without, without attachment, 
our whole experience of life is through our body. Uh -huh. You know, so when there's a fundamental shift of attachment to things, attached to the permanence of things, you know, and in grieving for the loss of things, when we're literally experiencing the body as an impermanent vessel and with sensation as an impermanent experience, mm -hmm. the intellectual um, uh, con uh, attachment of grief starts to break down as well, you know, because you're fundamentally um, living in a state of impermanence, you know, and so that story of grief also breaks down, but it's, it's like not an overnight thing. You know, this is, this is like with deep work that, that we can actually start to release these attachments. You know? Sure. And, and I, and I feel that, and yet, I don't know, I, I, I feel like there's, there's, this is, this is an important thing for, for me, you know, to, to sort of assert is, is this idea that, you know, you know, and, and we see this all the time again, in like the self-help space and the self-development space where it's like, you are not your failures. You are not your losses. You're not defined by this and that and the other. And, and, you know, yeah. and every, anything that's quote unquote negative. And yet like at the yeah. same time, there's like this really strong impulse that I have to like lash out against that and say it like, actually we really are defined by loss itself in so many ways. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Insofar as like we, it's in our essence to individuate from, you know, like, a primordial sort of oneness with things. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's like, that is, that is the nature of human life. Like, for like sure. stepping, stepping away from our, our mothers, first of all, right. And finding our individual, like sovereign expression. Exactly. Yeah. And, 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 and there's something that like, there's no way in which we can avoid grief and sadness in that process. Right. Totally. Right. And As so a construct at least, you know, but it's like, you have to, you have to move through that. You can't just detach from it. Yeah. You know, like there has to be an embodied experience of it. Right. But you have to face that embodied experience first before you can release yourself from it. You can't just intellectually release yourself from it. So like, you've got to address that pain, you know, for sure. For okay. Sure. This is my grief. Yeah. I've got to go deep into my grief so I can get to the other side of it. For sure. You know, so that's really what I mean by that. Yeah. You know, I'm just going into the technical process of it, but by no means does it mean to, to like avoid it or try to like, you know, suppress or, or, downplay. or bypass for it sure. at all. No, I, I, I totally get it. And I, and I don't know, I, I feel like, you know, for me too, it's like one of, one of the best papers I read in, in grad school or more, most interesting one was this meditation on this Dutch still life that had this kind of like this off Latin word in it, like in let to bilitas or something like that on it. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, yeah exactly. <laughs> and, and so like the professor who wrote the paper explored this thing and explored like the painter. It was one, one of the Dutch masters who, you know, they, they did like vanitas still lifes, which were like all about like the impermanence of life, you know, mm. and, and like, you know, like one of the most famous ones, um, Holbein's the ambassadors. There's like these two, you know, kind of like portly men with this bountiful table full of fruit and cheese and meat. And they had exotic instruments and wine. And it was just like, you know, celebrating all the pleasures of life. And then like, there's like this weird at the bottom of, there's this weird little angled thing. That's just like, you can't even tell what it is until you start to tilt your head and you see that it's like an almost holographic projection of a skull of a human skull. 
Oh, weird. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. And so, and so the idea is like memento mori, like remember you're going to die, right? Uh huh. And so, and and the Amatabilitas, you know, um, painting or, or picture or drawing, or whatever it was, like you know, my my professor, like you know, he he sort of interpreted all around, like all these other paintings and stuff and and memoirs and anecdotes from this painter or, or whatever it was, and he came to the conclusion that like what this guy was trying to to get across was like, was like this kind of like um, valorization of like sadness and depression. Right. And, Uh and, and the idea behind it somehow was like, like the people who actually can focus on those things, those aspects of life are the ones who are actually seeing the truth a lot better. Right. Right. Right? The the ones who can see that death sort of looms large over everything yeah. we do. Yeah. Right. It's and the whole picture. Exactly. Right. And, and so, and I, and I think that's kind of the sense of, of grief that I'm getting at too. It's kind of like mm. more of a primordial thing mm-hmm. rather than right? right. Whereas like, maybe you're talking about like, you know, with episodic grief, like it, it is something that has to be processed. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. and perhaps like, but there's, there's something, something more to it. There's, there's, there's a kind of finitude that we have to learn to accept. And this this mandates, you know, um, a, a modicum of of you know, perhaps reverent melancholy, right? It, yeah, <laughs> you know, in, enlightenment has been described as being bittersweet. Sure, you know, yeah. because because the impermanence exists in the negative as well as the positive. Okay, you know, grief grief is something that's sad that we don't want to experience. Yeah. You know, and there's pain in that, but it's impermanent. Yeah. But so is pleasure. And so are, are um, you know, the the best experiences. Those are also impermanent. They go away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which is which is exactly what I tell Skylar, my niece, yeah. uh, when she like scrapes her knee or something. You know, I've, I've told her that since she was like two years old. You know, I've said, uh, Skylar, I know. I know that you're, you're hurting right now. But you know what happens to the pain? <laughs> and now... Now she just answers me. She's like, it goes away. <laughs> That's right. But the part that I haven't taught her yet is that the good also goes away. I don't want to ruin it for her. A rough revelation for I a know, child. I know. But that's that's a bittersweetness. But that's the whole picture, too. Yeah, for sure. You know, and that is the wisdom of of experience, you know, and, and being able to take the good with the bad. Absolutely. Absolutely. As we might judge them. Yeah. And so what else you got? And so on the flip side of things, you know, like, um, do you feel like meditation can actually help us to increase our performance no. and product? Ah, don't <laughs> do well. this. If you want to succeed, <laughs> just don't do it. Yeah. Um, you know, so is, 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 do you think there's something about meditating? Like, I, and, and I guess the question is how, how do we frame it? So do we want to meditate? Like we see all this kind of stuff in affirmations and, and, um, you know, all these people in self-help trying to brainwash themselves into like, you know, I'm going to make a million dollars this year, you know, or like, you know, I was taught by some marketing mentors, like before you get in the call, tell yourself, you know, this person, I'm going to help this person. I'm going to rescue them from this, that, and the other. I have something amazing. And I'm like, I don't even know this person yet, dude. Right. 
right. you know, until I get into it with them, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm. like, why am I going to try and brainwash myself? I need to figure out yeah. if, if they would actually work with my service, you know? Right. right. Um, and so I guess the question is like, when we meditate, you know, if meditation can increase our performance and help us to do things better, be more efficacious in life, is it is it wrongheaded for us to go into meditation with that thought of like mm. optimizing our performance? Mm. Like you see a lot of these sort of like biohackers or whomever. Totally, totally. Yeah. I, I, yeah. And this is, mm, the, yeah, it's, it's a good question, you know? And um, I mean, there's one, <laughs> it's, it's funny. I want to say there's like one more correct answer, mm-hmm, <laughs> but I don't want to say that there's one correct answer at the same time. Yeah, yeah. You know, like specifically with Vipassana, um, Goenkaji, the guy who uh, really brought it to the mainstream and organized it in a way that it's expanded to um, to like over 70 countries now. Um, He tells a story of how he... um, well, like he he basically cured his migraines doing it. And and a lot of people experience healing as a result of doing this practice. But when he went into the practice, because he traveled all over the world and saw the best doctors and all kinds of specialists to cure his migraines and nobody could do it. And then he went back home and somebody's like, oh, why don't you try this meditation? And he's like, well, it cure my migraines. They're like, well, don't come, don't come here for that. Uh-huh. Come here for spiritual growth, uh-huh. you know? And he said, and he's like, okay, okay. Like, sure. You know, but, but he basically like he did, you know, he gave himself, uh, the time and put his trust into the practice Yeah, and said, all right, sure. You know, I'll cast aside my like preconceived notions and do it. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, it did cure his migraines. Wow. Yeah. So th- to answer your question, it it absolutely can and does help increase performance. It helps increase uh um uh what's that other thing? Uh <laughs> concentration. Sure. And um, you know, all these great benefits. Um and, and it's like there is no real right answer with that. It's like, if you want to do that for that, go for it. Yeah. But what I find is that you will achieve um, sort of diminishing returns or like limited gains if you just do it for that one purpose. For sure. If you do it for the sake of growth and like wisdom, you will get the wisdom, but then also all those other things. You know, you will get healing and concentration and understanding and, and, you know, all, all these other things that go with it. And probably because you've grown, right? Yeah. As a person. Yeah. You've grown spiritually as it were. Yeah, exactly. Right? You know, and, and I understand spirituality, this word that is another one that's tossed around <laughs> so fucking much, you know, I don't even like to consider like yeah. call myself a spiritual person For because sure. I know the, the connotation that it often has, but I understand spirituality to be all of the connections that you can make specifically within yourself 
and then also to the world and the universe around you. For sure. But the, the, the problem is most people, when they call themselves spiritual or they think they're spiritual, they are they are making certain connections like outside of themselves with this and that and oh this must be that but but some of the most important connections that i've found to be made are in my psyche and what i believe to be true versus what is true and there's just a sea right like that iceberg below the surface of of dots to be connected and when those dots can be connected like from the inside out then a lot of things on the outside start to make sense as well because you're actually creating the the like web of connection within yourself that creates the the sort of framework for experiencing the world in a way that is inherently more peaceful because you've made peace with so much of yourself and your past experience mm-hmm. that translates into the current experience. And um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's spirituality. I mean. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. No. And, and, and I'm with that. And so, I mean, that, that goes perfectly into the next question because we've, we've, cool. we've discussed, you know, throughout this entire conversation um, and previous ones, the, the various problems with the self-development world, yeah. right? And and this kind of language that comes up. Totally. And and the, the appropriation of these things. So I just you know, said a lot of it. A lot of it. And so we, we've got like <laughs> already we've got, you know, like I know you're reading a book that's entitled Cutting Through Spiritual Materialism, right? Yeah. Spiritual narcissism. We've got like totally spiritual technology is mm-hmm. is, is another that's a big one too. Per, pejorative way of framing this stuff. Yeah. And rightfully so, because it's like Use tapping and then unlock or just shut up, Tony Robbins. Yeah, yeah. He's just selling something, you know. Right, right. Um, and, and so there's there's just kind of this general sense of malignant self-absorption that seems to be rampant in the self-help and self-development space, mm-hmm. right? And so mm-hmm. so how can we guarantee then that that our that a meditation practice isn't just a manifestation of this sort of sickness, right? Mm. How how can we save ourselves? And, you know, and make sure that whatever we're doing, right, meditation-wise, is instead, you know, generally a way of making ourselves better, wiser, more whole, whatever, mm-hmm. right? Well, it's funny because, um, you know, enlightenment has been has been sort of explained as a goalless goal. Yeah. Right? Uh, passionate dispassion is, is uh, a way to describe the... Um, the practice as well but one way to know if it's if it's a good practice is if it gives results Mm. it's like okay well does it work for you and some things might work for people better than others some people might only have the volition to do something that's that's sort of surface based Mm. you know like mantra meditation okay so it's something that um, I'm not going to name any specific practices, but there are some that, you know, they cost like $2,000 or $1,500. Yeah. Transcendental. You said it, not me. <laughs> I won't be culpable. <laughs> but, uh, it's trademarked. 
Yeah, that's true. <laughs> exactly. We don't want to infringe on any any trademarks yeah. here. But uh, but yeah, I mean, you you pay a lot of money to get a mantra, and then you you say that mantra for twenty minutes a day, twice a day, and like knowing the mantra in and of itself is a meaningless phrase. Yeah. Ahead yeah. Of time. It could be moo. Yeah. You know. Or like hue is another one. But they that's, uniquely that's, give it to you. Yeah, right. It's you. It's just yours. What basis? But don't tell anybody about it. <laughs> no basis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so so like, okay, there are there are people that benefit from that. You know, like okay, maybe that gives you more focus. It gives you better concentration, maybe better memory recall, whatever, and. If that's all you want, if that's all you have time and dedication for, then great, you know, like go for it. And I feel like every practice that I had done previous to Vipassana was like a, a great stepping stone to get the, the teaching that I needed, you know, because, okay, this has some efficacy, this gives some results, this gives me a little bit, this gives me nothing. I do this. Oh shit. Okay. This is it. But I had some basis for comparison before, you know, and I think it's good to have that versus like not having any, any, any previous experience. For sure. That said, like if you're a clean slate, you don't have any preconceived notion of what meditation is, you know, but I guess just to answer your question, um, it's fine if you just want it for, if you just want to meditate for better productivity um, for healing, for whatever your intention is. But the, the ultimate goal for me, the ultimate goal is, is liberation is, is to be free from attachment to things. And I know that all of the other stuff just comes as a subsequent benefit. So I, I guess I'll just leave it at that. For sure. And that's, and that's cool, you know? Um, but it sounds like, you know, what, what's going on there is that, you know, you, you've had to go through this process of discovery to figure out what's, yeah. what actually works for you. Yeah, and definitely. What, what you feel is actually, you know, not, you know, forced or contrived or right. whatever. And I haven't done everything all like I haven't done many of the practices out there, but I've done enough to, to get a sense for sure, you know, and I've been a bypasser. I've been that guy. You know, that's like, oh, just be positive. <laughs> oh, just do the, you know, the heart centered meditation, like whatever. I've done it. I've, I've totally been that guy. But yeah. I realized that going into the darkness is the only way, you know, well, to really get to really get meaningful, long lasting results. Well, maybe that's the key to this whole thing. And, and I'm so excited because it goes perfect with the final question here. Sweet. And it's not just a final question it's a final preamble too but, cool. but um so in terms of the full range of mental states experiences and emotions that meditation may unlock for us or help mm. us to manage or modulate better better what are your thoughts specifically on the emotion of anger okay and let me give you some more on that so mm. on, on my thinking or one of the worst things that the world around us does especially our parents Right. Um, you yeah. know, with the best of intentions in most cases. Right. Is to is to tell us to stuff our anger under and, and more generally our less desirable or quote unquote negative emotions. And mm. so granted in that in the West, we, we generally view meditation as a practice that puts us into this state of peace and light, right? Yeah. Is this a fundamental misunderstanding on the one hand? Do you, do you think that a meditation practice can actually help us to stop 
victimizing ourselves through forced pacification? Can it help us to actually harness the truth of our darkest feelings? Definitely. And desires. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Tell me how. Well, it's like anything else, any other, any other um, emotion, it forces you to see it. You know, it forces you to give full attention to it for what it is, you know, um, not, well, yeah, and it, it is to give it credit too, in a way, you know, and understand where it comes from Yeah, because emotions all have an intelligence to them. Yeah. They are, they're, they're telling us something about what need isn't being met, you know, how we're not showing up for ourselves, right? How we've allowed ourselves to be like stomped on or, or whatever the, the, yeah. you know, the trauma is. So yeah, it's, it's all informative, but, um, the, the thing about emotions in general and anger specifically is that we often don't have, um, like a grounding, uh, tether with it. Mm. There's nothing to ground us with that anger. It's like you experience it and it's just rage. Sure. It's like, well, how, how do you, how do you sort of like either express what's going on or rein in what's going on? Mm -hmm. You know, like how, how do you tame that beast if you will? Yeah. Right. And I mean, it's, this is the wonder of the experience that I've, <laughs> that I've taken on is that it's, it's, it all goes back to the same thing. It all goes back to the same practice of, of observation, you know? And, um, so they say there's three ways to experience an emotion. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's mm -hmm. depression, it's anger, whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, there's three ways. The first way is to express it. You can express your anger. We mm -hmm. all know how that goes. <laughs> well, I mean, right? I, I like, mean, there, there are better and worse ways of expressing your anger, right? I mean, we, we, there's, there's, there's acting it out versus telling somebody, hey, what you did was really upsetting, right? Or that, that made me angry, right? Well, made me angry yeah. in the past versus experiencing in the moment are okay. different things. For sure. You know? Yeah. When you when you're out of the anger and you can you can sort of see it in hindsight, it's another story. You know, but when you're like neck deep in the anger, for sure. Experiencing it and any other emotion, there's you know, there you can express it, which often shows up as violence, right? So can you express or yelling? Can you express anger non reactively? Right. I guess that's, that's the question. Can you verbalize and say, I'm, I'm really upset right now. Something like that. Like, anyways. sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess if, but it's, but it's anger. So it's like, it's often. Okay. So, so here's the thing. Yeah. So you can express anger, right? That's one way to, to, to move through it. You can suppress it. That's another way to move through it. Right. And then you can observe it. And that's the third way. And that's a way that not a lot of people do it. You know, most people are doing one or the other, expressing it or suppressing it. Mm -hmm. And, and the way to observe it is to find the place in the body where it's showing up. But this is something that, that most of us don't know how to do because we're not trained in it. You know, nobody's like, who the fuck is teaching their kid how to, how to like pinpoint physical sensation that is causing anger to arise. Sure. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just not something that's in our, it's in our um, like culture, but it is something that works and it is something that helps to 
be present, make us present to it and not continue to blindly react to it. You know, it's, it's easier said than done, but with practice, as you sit with it, it brings up, um, like if you get into a place of anger, if you are connected enough to your body, then when that emotion comes up, you'll recognize the, the sensation like that, that awareness of a sensation will pop up and that gives the grounding, uh, like anchor to prevent you from blindly feeding into it. Sure. You know, and, and blindly reacting to, to the sensation with more anger, which, um, you know, isn't very productive. I mean, I guess it can be productive in ways like you can, you can transmute it. But that sort of is the trans- transmutation of it, you know? Okay. Fair enough. Okay, cool. Um, I have a lot more thoughts on that note and topic, but I think they're best saved for another time. What do you yeah. think? Yeah, we're, we're like uh, right now, hour and 11. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So why don't we, why don't we kill it here? And, Sounds good, man. And we'll get, get on to, to the next thing, yeah? I think we covered some good ground. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think this was this was a good one. And uh, yeah. We actually had some technical difficulties early on. <laughs> Full disclosure. Yeah. I think we went through what, two or three questions and um, gave some good nuggets. And um, and I guess it wasn't recording. I'm still working on some uh, some some technical um, stuff with these new microphones. We've got some new equipment here. And uh I don't know. I mean, it's part of the part of the process refinement. I'd like to think that we did better than the first time. You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying about grief, though, George? Some things just I get know. lost to time, and you can't pull I'm them grieving. back. The world will never know. Where do I feel the shit in my the body? The world will never know <laughs> about it's you. Genius. To the spirits. <laughs> to the spirits. Yeah, I know. I know. That came up before the microphone failed. Oh my god! (laughs) Awesome. I'm letting it go, man. Letting it go. I'm gonna be grieving this one for for a while. Yeah. I hold on to my grief. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Want to sit for a bit? Let's do it, man. Um, All right, you guys. Thanks for listening. As always, I hope you hope you found that stimulating. Please give us some feedback. We got some shout out to Zach Davis for just taking a ton of time. Yeah. Giving some amazing feedback. Thank you so much is super helpful and constructive if you're actually listening to this if you're taking the time to listen to the full episodes just give us a shout let us know what's going on we're accessible we want to hear your feedback so we can we can actually you know know that that this message is hitting home george that's right yeah what are we doing right what can we improve on this is a continuous process for us we're releasing these uh as we go as uh as time permits and as consistent as we can be but um yeah love to hear from you and we look forward to uh, seeing you on the next one. That is correct. All right, you guys. Until then, we'll see you next time. Adios.